Malaysian dish Of course I miss Nasi lemak Or roti canai Which use a lot of palm oil <laughs> I'm Alex Albanese And you're listening to Thanks. One thing we all can agree on Is that fried food is awesome It's probably one of the greatest achievements Of human civilization If you look at the numbers The planet consumes 200 million tons Of vegetable oils per year Palm oil accounts for one-third of all global consumption. Compared to the other oils, it's cheap, has a long shelf life, and comes from high-yield crops. More than 90% of palm oil is produced by two developing countries, Indonesia and Malaysia. In Malaysia, where our story takes place, palm oil represents 4% of the GDP. And with all that manufacturing comes 95 million tons of waste. Today's episode is about Malaysia's ambitions to turn this giant pile of waste into alternative energies, cutting-edge science, and strong educational programs. This ambitious future revolves around palm oil and one very driven Malaysian scientist at MIT. My name is Rosita Dola. So normally people here at MIT call me Zeta. So I'm currently a postdoctoral fellow at MIT Department of Mechanical Engineering at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, USA, under Microfluidics and Nanofluidics Research Laboratory with Professor Rohit Karnik. And my research focuses on renewable energy and robust quality engineering on the bioenergy conversion from biomass into aviation fuel with emphasis on the reactor's experimental design and optimization. Let's start from the beginning. Palm oil is made from palm fruit. Picture a really big olive, two inches long, that's orange on one end, and a deep red on the other. Inside the palm fruit is a kernel which is rich in fats, and this is the source of palm oil. These fruits grow in a bunch that can weigh from 10 to 60 pounds. The oil is pressed out of the fruit, and you end up with empty fruit bunches. These empty fruit bunches are high in cellulose. Cellulose can be broken down into biofuels in a process called pyrolysis by applying temperatures greater than 350 Celsius in the absence of oxygen basically the temperature to bake a cake. Under these conditions, organic vapors, gases, and charcoal are produced. The vapors can then be condensed into bio-oil. There are many efforts underway that use pyrolysis to turn cellulose from crops into biofuels. Zeta happens to be one of them. So in other words, we try to convert all the waste into oil. So something that we can use in the transportation and so on. So um, we built a reactor. And then we convert um, the waste. It will go through the process, the condensation, then from the, the gas into liquid at the condensation. So the outcome is the oil. So the bio oil will be used um, as a transportation fuel. So what happened that time, we faced a big problem whereby we, we, we have a larger variation in the reactor itself. So specifically, the problem was um, uneven temperature inside the reactor. Uneven temperature is one of the many problems with producing biofuel. Fortunately, Zeta did her PhD in Japan, where she studied the Taguchi method. These are statistical methods developed to improve the quality of manufactured goods. Um, I did my PhD in Japan, Meiji University, um, and uh, I'm so fortunate having the opportunity doing the PhD with the pioneer of Taguchi method. It, uh, the Taguchi method is actually uh, um, a method, a statistical approach uh, for robust quality engineering um, to have a robust process or product with minimum variation. 
So in any process or product, everything under the sun, we can do, use Taguchi method um, so that we can have a very smooth process and uh, the defects can be minimized uh, whereby we want to achieve a high quality output. This experience applying the Taguchi method gave Rosetta the perfect skill set to solve inconsistencies in the bioreactor. Uneven temperature is a really big problem when you are using heat to break down waste into biofuel. So we, in a team at UTM, we try to figure out what are the things that we can try to optimize the parameter in order to reduce the problem of uneven temperature inside the pyrolysis reactor. So we try to reach many people and ask their opinion and so on. And then um, that was a, the moment where um, my mentor, Professor Dr. Dr. Halimatun Hamdan, um, lead us on, yeah, how about we try um, someone from MIT? So we tried to contact um, some of the professors here. And then um, Professor... Professor Rohit Karnik um, was one of the professors that we contacted. Uh, we found out that, uh, yeah, it's a perfect fit and we can jive um, together to solve the problem. And we try to do whatever best for both of the countries. So uneven temperature is only one of the problems Zeta is trying to optimize. To tackle these problems, Zeta is using tabletop versions of the final design that uses 50 grams of palm oil waste per reaction. The actual bioreactor will handle 10 kilograms of waste and is much larger. This is a big of a, a refrigerator and with uh, two, uh, two units. One is the uh, reactor itself, whereby we have all the vaporization process taking place. And after that, the vapor will go through the, con the condenser stage. And that's where the vapors will be condensed to liquid. And the liquid is the one that we collect the bio oil out of the condenser. So waste goes into the reactor, goes through pyrolysis, and bio oil comes out. But what exactly is the bio oil made of? It has a 1,000 plus compounds, chemical compounds. But the main uh, composition is the phenols, and we have a little bit on aldehyde and, and other acidic compounds. And the main challenge of the bio oil is actually uh, to make it less acidic. And we try to compare it with the petroleum fuel. So there are several properties that we have to um, solve um, in order to make it compatible or better than the diesel or kerosene or gasoline. So uh, the challenge for the bioenergy is actually the incompatible properties include the low heating volume, um, the low heating value, the thermal instability because the bio oil is a bit instable thermally and uh, high corrosivity or in other words uh, it's a bit acidic compared to the current petroleum fuel. Zeta is tackling the acidity from two different angles. First is to directly process the oil after it comes out of the bioreactor. So at MIT, we are using the solvent water oil extraction. So that is um, the most economical method to upgrade the properties. It is very simple. By extracting corrosive and acidic compounds, using their greater polarity and preferential solubility in water. So when you mix the water with bio oil, you will be having two kind of phases, which is soluble phase and also insoluble phase. So in other words, mix some water and some oil at the right ratio, shake it up, all the acid molecules end up in the water. Since oil and water don't mix, you simply remove the water phase and voila, less acidic oil. The other way to solve this problem is to optimize the pyrolysis conditions in the bioreactor so you generate less acidic molecules. This starts upstream with the moisture level of the materials fed into the bioreactor. So the moisture level or the water content level before it goes to the reactor, so for example, it has to be really dry and try to put it under the sunshine for three days. And then we measure the water content in that biomass. And, and after that, we try to grind it 
and make the particle as small as we can. The smallest is the better, so that it will have a bigger range of surface area and all the surface area of the particle can be reacted very efficiently in the reactor. Once the empty fruit bunches are dried and ground up, the bioreactor itself has to be tweaked for best output. But we have a lot of uh, parameters that we can control in the reactor. Um, the temperature, the feed rate, the residence time in the in the reactor before vaporization of the biomass. So that optimization method is actually utilizing the Taguchi method or design of experiment in a reactor. The Taguchi method actually identified at what particular level that we should set in order to get the best bio oil quality at the end. My research here in renewable energy said it's really an exciting field because we solve not only our lab or our, our research group's problem, it's actually we solve the world's problem. The world's problem. So biofuel would solve the world's problems. It burns cleaner, has less carbon emission, is more sustainable than drilling petroleum, and it uses up large quantities of waste. This might be a global problem, but Malaysia is thinking local. While I'm at MIT, I tried to connect um, my research with the government, and um, by having a collaboration with the Malaysia Embassy at Washington DC, they connect me with uh, our prime ministers. And our prime minister really have a big uh, interest and a vision on how to make this field um, visible and being used widely in our country. Then only we can work very closely together with all other ministers, especially ministers of energy, Ministry of Energy, Ministry of Natural Resources, who provide us the biomass with Ministry of Energy, which um, provide the support for not only for biomass energy, but also for other renewable energy. And uh, also we are working very closely with the Ministry of Education because we want to ensure that to make sure that this field is being known. When interviewing Zeta, I was struck by her sense of civic duty and how she could use her scientific education as a powerful tool to help her country. We are developing countries, so we want something that we can own by ourselves and not only learning from outside, but also own the technology is a very important aspect. Um, that is one of the main reasons why I opt to go back to my country after postdocs because I really want to contribute to the society and for the country that's something that I can contribute um, as a team, as a together um, Malaysians and um, U.S. If we were to focus only on science, this would be the end of the story. But Zeta wears many other hats. I met Zeta when she was the president of the MIT Postdoctoral Association. I also found out she has three children. That That is a good opportunity for me to hone my skill for leadership. And I try to challenge myself to be um, a leader or to try to become a better person in an organization. And excuses such as, oh, I have kids. I have, uh, I have kids here in Boston. Uh, I bring along my three kids here together with me during this postdoctoral study. So I don't want a reason, that kind of reason whereby we think that, oh, I have so much commitment and I cannot achieve this and that. So I, I, I cannot achieve what I want in my life. And I don't want people to see it as a weakness or an excuse, or you don't have enough time to do other things. So having kids, having family is not an obstacle. Just do it. Then only you can see how much you can see your potential in yourself. So if you're keeping score, Zeta is juggling research, presiding over the postdoctoral association, 
and taking care of three kids. I asked her how she stays on top of everything. Uh, it is very, very important for us to have a proper planning. So we try to plan um, in 24 hours, how many hours that we have to do the PDA stuff, how many hours that we have to do the research, um, and how many hours that you have to allocate for your families, for, for the children. And I put all this thing ahead before um, I wake up in the next morning. But one of the biggest challenges is actually um, when I have to... Um, attend the, the the parent teacher meeting i need to be there at that particular time and and the challenge is how to make myself to be there yeah being a single mom is is another big challenge because you you, you don't have any substitute but for me i put it in the positive way yeah. you have to do everything meaning that you are capable to do everything you're capable to take care of your kids single-handedly in Boston. That means you're capable to do the research, postdoc research at the best as you can. Yeah. So be the president, do the lab research, meet the professor, give the best as you, as you can and, and, and show to the single parent out there that you can do it and showing a good role model to your kids. So that is the, the best thing that I can contribute to the society um, other than research or other than the technical stuff that you can contribute. And I'm, I'm proud of myself. And, and I want to do more. And once again, if you're keeping score, you can add role model to the list. Speaking with Zeta was inspirational. And when I asked her for advice, she had some powerful words. Try to grab everything. Try to grab um, all the opportunities that comes to you. And if the opportunities doesn't come to you, try to knock. So uh, where, we, where we grab the opportunity today, the outcome might not be a few hours after that. So the, the outcome will come to you might be after one month or two months. So that's why that's the importance of um, grabbing the opportunity in front of you. And um, secondly, never ever underestimate yourself. Um, you never know what you can do until you try. When we do our best, whatever happened after that, there's no regret. So I try to do everything. I try to capture everything. I try to, to, to use everything that I have, the resources that I have around me, because I don't want to have regret at the end. No regrets because you have done your best. So simple. A special thanks to Rosetta Dola for a great interview a few hours before her flight from Boston. Since our interview, she has gone back to Malaysia to be a senior lecturer at UTM, University Technology Malaysia. While she pursues her dream of becoming a professor, she is also helping other young Malaysian women pursue an education in the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields, also known as STEM. Speaking of STEM, we also wanted to help highlight a recent effort called the Women in STEM Database at MIT, or WISDOM for short. This initiative is designed to promote the visibility of women at MIT by providing a curated online database of MIT women, making it easier to find talented and diverse speakers for conference talks, panels, news stories, and outreach events. If you are faculty, postdoc, research staff, or a graduate student from any STEM field, join the growing list of Wisdom today. If you're looking for an expert speaker for your live event, check out the Wisdom website and sign up for the newsletter. For more information, please visit wisdm.mit.edu or contact Ritu Raman, R-I-T-U-R, at mit.edu. I would like to thank the MIT Postdoctoral Association for funding this project, Music by Kevin McLeod, VHS Paradise, Trashton, and Navienta. I would also like to thank my colleagues Max Robinson and Tim Fassenden for all their help. Please visit glimpse.mit.edu for show notes, other episodes, and links to our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for listening. Please tell your friends about this podcast and give us some feedback. 